On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're heading back to Edo period Japan for some samurai action in Shogun on Disney+, Plus, dealing with bereavement, dreadful relatives, and inappropriately close relationships with your driving instructor in Things You Should Have Done on the Beeb, and getting trolled by a deceased ex in Dead Hot on Prime Video. Plus, fellow Traveller star Jonathan Bailey joins us on the show to talk to Boydie about toes. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters and a podcast that needs to apologise for an egregious error on last week's Pilot Plus, when the postbag turned over a question about Wolf Like Me Season 2, which began in the States in October, which I erroneously said hadn't yet come to the UK. Well, listeners, it turns out it is, in fact, available to watch on Prime Video. I mean, did they signpost this? No. Did we review it? No. no. Did they tell us about it? Also, no. no. Uh, so I guess if you're a fan of werewolf shows and enjoyed season one, which saw a single dad, Josh Gad, start a relationship with Isla Fisher's lycanthrope, uh, all we can do is apologise. Did you guys have any idea this had returned? No. No, because they didn't tell us. No. And I'm it's a put big out. Secret. I really like the first season. I watched the whole thing. So, uh, but we'll get onto that a little bit more because I have watched the first episodes of season two since I've yeah. been made aware that it was there. But we'll talk to that in what we've been watching. But, but there's another thing that we do need to to have a, a brief moment of, you know, solemnity for, and that is that Boydie has recently been denied a pair of limited edition trainers. And the reason I know this is because as we sat down to record this podcast, Boydie was like, "I warn you, I need to buy some shoes." So. We were going to be disrupted, but it turned out, it turned out, as Boydie logged on to buy these limited edition trainers, they'd all sold out. Listener. Boydie, tell us about the shoes I, you've I missed out on. I can tell you right now, he's gazing at he them is, still lovingly. on the screen. Yeah. What do they look like, Kay? They're black, yeah. pretty much like every other trainer he's got. No, <laughs> they're black and um, they are Nike Supreme Collab. Not, so what sort of Nikes are they? Uh, the Nike Air Max DM, which is a, uh, DM, one of the less... Like DM, DM. <laughs> N for Nelly. Yeah, they're, they're a slightly uh, more obscure line of the uh, Nike Air Max uh, line. And they've got a nice, uh, one of the best, basically every year pretty much, every season, in fact, I'd go as far as to say there's a Nike, probably a Nike Supreme collaboration. It's not unusual to have a Nike Supreme collaboration, but this is one of the best ones because it's got the Supreme logo on the BOGO. main body of the shoe. Yeah, which is unusual. Uh, what everyone wants. Very unusual for us. There's only, I would say there's only a few times in history that the actual Supreme logo has been this prominent on a Nike shoe. So and you wanted the, it. I think it's a nice design. All I would say is I completely miscalculated the time difference between. So they go on sale <laughs> uh, like 12 noon US time. Yeah. And, I, 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 and I thought um, 5 p.m., whatever. So I could miscalculate, miscalculate the time difference. That's the problem. So it's my fault. And also, I can't. obviously, I'm too busy to queue up and to, and my guy who ran the London store doesn't work there anymore. So, you know, but all I, what, on the plus side... They've, uh, people have um, exposed the fact there's a grey version of these rather than this all black Ooh, version. Oh, let's see, click and on it. And the grey version looks better. I can't click on it right. Well, maybe I could click on it. So you could get a grey version still. Well, there's a mystery surrounds the grey version, whether they're going to be just friends and family only, which does happen, or they'll be Surely next... Surely you're a family member by now. Well, friends and family of who? Of Supreme slash Nike people. Yeah. Well, like They're friends special... of Supreme. Listen, yeah, you've invested basically. so much, yeah. you've ploughed so much money in Supreme. You must be like a relative, blood relative by now. Uh, no. Um, you know, and I think you should go for grey because it's a bit different. 
Yeah, well, that's the great one. Yeah. So Let's see. Yeah, Kay's going to give you her seal okay. of approval. Yeah, that has yeah. been approved. Oh, yes, get yeah. that. Kay's approved those. Yeah, the grey is better. That's much better than it the black It is ones. better, but only one. Only the black colourway drops this week. And yeah, people people have seen this grey one out in the wild with with some, uh, you know, like... <laughs> in the wild. But, um, what is happening? It is a mystery. This is what happens in the world of limited edition trainers. It is a mystery as to whether we'll actually get to buy one of the, the grey ones. But the grey is the best colour by far. The grey one's really nice. I'm going to show you, look. It's nice. They are nice, nice. Yeah. right? Now, yeah. now, all I can do, if you are a listener to the Pilot TV podcast who was who was pulled in by the fact that we had Jodie Foster on last week and this is your first proper show, all I can do is massively apologise. Mm. They're like, what the fuck are mm. they talking about? Trainers and stuff. Uh, but I'm going to continue the trainer chat right here, right now and say that I went to the Dune Part 2 premiere last week and I wanted to dress up for Dune because who wouldn't? So I wore yeah, my brand new black and mint green Ooh. Nike Air Max 90s Party, James. With Gore-Tex lining, because it was wet. And I was really <laughs> excited to be wearing them. They destroyed my feet. Absolutely oh, destroyed no. them. So much so that I limped all the way down the red carpet to, to the June thing. And had to want. take them off in the film and just like have my socks on because my feet hurt so much. What? Were they wet through? Well, they have Gore-Tex, so it didn't matter. Oh, fine. Okay, so what? Is just that they were pinching? No, the, yeah, it was It was pressing down on the top of my big toe and it caused it to be oh, painful. Dear. So yeah, it was, it was what, really sorry, yeah, I, I, I bumped into him and I, I saw the whole tawdry the display of him, him cope, trying to cope with these uh, these trainers. That Shall we begin this TV podcast, Boydy, by having a bit of film chat? Now, you watched Dune Part 2 last night, didn't you? I did, yeah. Do you know what? Go on. I absolutely uh, loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Did you? Yes. Oh, I've always, yes. liked, always liked you, Boyd. Um, I, I like the first one. A lot. I think Denis Villeneuve is the one of the most underrated directors in the world. He's not that underrated. And he's amazing. <laughs> the reason I, say, I know he, everyone says he's amazing, but has he won an Oscar? So. No, I don't. How think many? So. Times, I don't think he's been nominated that much. But he, as a purveyor of brilliantly done um, genre movies, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Arrival. I think Arrival's one yeah, of the best it's incredible. In the last couple of decades. But his visual imagination, it is epic. It's massive. It's like the biggest thing ever. You know every single shot is a huge, you know, just a, feels gargantuan and huge. I'm running out of adjectives for yep. big. Monstrously large. But his uh, eye for, like, beautiful detail mm. and all of that, the transitions between one scene and the next, all of those things are so brilliantly inventive and clever that it, it's almost like a, he's got real visual poetry to him without wanting yep. to sound like a complete asshole. Too late. So, uh, that's what I appreciate really, you know, almost as much as I mean. I think the story is really interesting, and the and the and the and I, I think there is an emotional involvement. People, I've heard people say it's it's you know it's not emotionally involving, but I don't agree with that. I no, I don't is. either. Um, because the romance, the central thing between Zendaya and and him is is interesting. Um, but politically as well, it's radical. Mm. Like all the stuff about imperialist, you know, kind of settler, yeah, <laughs> religious trying, propaganda. Trying not to get into trouble here, um, but it's. Very relevant to today, I would yeah. just say. Um, so the, all that stuff, and really, yeah, and how much religious fervor kind of like multiplies almost without doing anything. How this guy is seen as the is the one, seen as the Messiah, um, uh, the Lisan Al Gaib, exactly. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet's character. It's really interesting. It's got. It's a. Rad, it's basically a, quite a radical critique of religion. <laughs> yes, it is. So yeah, I was really impressed with it. Incredible, and just the whole sound and the. Everything. It's just massive. It's got big worms in it too. Big worms. My one criticism. I have one criticism. Oh, which is that. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to review this film on the Pilot <laughs> podcast. Kay's doing her emails. Um, is yeah, that Kay's absolutely checked enough, out at this enough. point? My one criticism would be it's fairly stately 
in its storytelling for the first like two hours. And then suddenly, when the third act comes in, it's relentless. It's really quick. And like it has to fit about like eight different story threads and tie them up in the last like half an hour. And I thought that was quite funny. That it almost like he's gone, oh, I'm editing it like this for the first couple of hours. And then suddenly it's got everything that's going to happen. So that's a bit weird, that kind of, yeah, slightly odd structure. But I, but I thought it was brilliant, yeah. I fully endorse your five-star review in next week's Heat I magazine. did. I reviewed this in Heat yes. Magazine. That's absolutely true. Fantastic uh, development, yeah. 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 Right. Well, that's enough film chat on this TV podcast. Let's Are we going to do it now? Yeah, we, yeah, we're actually going to talk about TV now. Sorry, Kay. We've wasted the first eight minutes of this podcast <laughs> talking about films and trainers. So all I can do is apologise to those of you who had tuned in to hear about small screen peak TV entertainment. Uh, Kay is... Can I just say... ...with the elite sci-fi she has been watching this week. <laughs> oh, can I just say one more thing about oh, June? And, and, uh, which I thought was really funny. I did show Kay earlier. And I'm sure Kay... Kay it, they've sent out a for-your-consideration invite to a screening of June next week for 2025 BAFTAs. It's less than a week wow. since the BAFTAs. Oh. 2024 <laughs> and we've already got they're yeah. already touting it to win next year's battle. get in there early that's that what is I say. hilarious yep. yes Kate what have I been watching okay so the truth of it is is that I was um, a member of the RTS judging panel in two different categories so as Boyd knows I have watched over the weekend... You're allowed to say what categories they are? No, I haven't said. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to. I was no. about to save you from your no, uh, no, keeping no, no, things no. secret. I was being vague and yeah. mysterious. Um, but over the weekend, I had to watch 51 clips. Um, so a lot of my time has just been doing that. Watching it, taking notes, trying to be studious about it. So um, the only thing I have had time to watch other than that has been um, Borders, which Boyd talked about last week and flagged in the um, What Else Is On section. And um, I have to say, I really, really liked it. So I've only watched one episode, but it was created by Daniel Lawrence Taylor. And it's on BBC Three. And it's just this really, like, insightful, funny comedy drama about five underprivileged black students who get a scholarship into a very privileged, uh, prestigious boarding school and their experiences there. And it just packs a punch in terms of, you know, what it says about race and class issues. But it's really good. And the the young cast are really impressive. So that's the only thing I've watched other than my 51 clips. Yeah, I've seen Borders as well. It's very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's less it's less comedic. I was expecting to be an hour and out comedy, but it's yeah. actually more drama, really, isn't it? It's a dramedy, at the very yes. least. It's amusing elements, yeah, but it's not yeah, hour and out comedy. No, it's a lot. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, and having gone to boarding school, as I'm sure, <laughs> as I'm sure you did, you'll identify Wait, with. Have you gone to boarding school? <sighs> I'm Shut that. I, know, I have no idea. I did, in fact, oh. go to a boarding school, oh, James, but no. but crucially, I did not board. It was a boarding school, uh, but I did not board. That's fine. Oh, okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I would have worried for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad that. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> have watched a Netflix documentary series. It's only two parts. Called "Can I Tell You a Secret?" Yes, you can. It's a. It's produced by um, uh, Louis Theroux's production company, Mindhouse, and the Guardian. Interestingly, they were involved. I think they did because they did a podcast about this case um, a few years ago. So it's kind of it, it, they're, they're involved in the production of it, and it's about Britain's most um, relentless and prolific stalker. This guy who stalked literally hundreds of women, um, you know, using online... Civilians or celebrity women? Civilians, using um, well, women he found, some influencers, including some influencers, kind of kind of women. Women he found on on, on Instagram, mostly, basically. Mm. And just, it's horrific. It is horrific. I, it, big trigger warning needed for it. But it's really kind of 
fascinating how what he did and how he behaved and he he would say to them he would get in touch with them and say to them can i tell you a secret and that was his kind of like in with these people and the but the good thing about the documentary is it is it starts off quite slightly melodramatically and as they kind of like they use his distort his voice like the voice in scream you know when the voice mm-hmm. the voice distorted, they kind of use that and i was a little bit oh it's a bit queasy to start with but then once it settles down it's telling the stories of three particular women who were stalked by this guy and the focus is absolutely on them and rather than the guy you, you find out stuff about him but you don't really see much of him or anything and they dramatize him doing the cause etc but it's definitely on the effect the absolutely devastating effect that this kind of cyber stalking can have on women. Obviously, it's it's, it's mostly women. That, all women were victims of this guy, pretty much. So yeah, it's it's disturbing. But I thought it was really interesting and um, yeah, uh, worth watching if you can take it. If you can, you won't be able to take hard pass. It. <laughs> hard pass from James. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was fascinating. And then um, I, I, I wanted to talk about Curb, keep up keeping up with Curb because we couldn't talk about Curb much when um, I interviewed Larry, and then it started. Reviewed the first episode, but it's mm. been it's been going on. I think the one out today, Kay, I wanted to mention particularly on Monday, as 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 we speak, it's got Dan Levy in it. It's oh, the Dan yeah. Levy guest ep- episode, which is not a, it's a very it's a small role, but it's really funny. And there's a whole stuff about he's a gay guy who's adopting, uh, who's, who's getting a kid with his partner, uh, and Larry keeps thinking up um, ba- inappropriate baby names, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, it's kind of a theme throughout Larry throughout Curb and going back to Seinfeld. They would have inappropriate baby names would be a, a line of comedy, but it's hilarious. Um, Talking of Seinfeld, are you allowed mm, to say? Oh yeah. Who you talked to recently? Well, I, th- I think, yeah, I think I'm about to you up break there. the news. You have, yeah. That ex- in an extraordinary move, having fairly recently interviewed Larry David, yesterday interviewed Jerry Seinfeld what for Empire, hell? for an upcoming issue of Empire, about his new film. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm calling it now. You are living your best life at the it moment. It is incredible, yeah. It is un- unreal. Yeah, so I, I owe the, uh, well, Beth... Beth got, got me to do it for a section on Beth Webb, formerly of this parish. Um, and I chatted to him yesterday, and he was a delight, is all I would say. Yeah, on the Zoom, and that will be coming soon. <laughs> Joe's got like a grinning, like, you sad bastard. No, not at all. I'm but, very happy for you. But as yeah. anyone who listens to this podcast will know, the number of times I've mentioned um, Seinfeld in history uh, must be, you know, I mean, they could be drinking game. Yeah. Every week, pretty much. So he is, yeah, you know, the two of them together, obviously, are the all-time heroes. Was there a man in the corner, and in between each question, he, like, played a little riff on the double bass? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That would have been good, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And, um, what? yeah, I never thought in a million years I would get to interview those two. Within, like, a few, a few weeks of each other. Yeah. It is unreal, yeah. I have interviewed him before, years ago, for Heat, amazingly. But that when he came over to do some live shows, um, so I met him face to face. And Jody as well. And Jody as well. Yeah, I what mean, a trio! Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is insane. Yeah, doesn't yeah, suck to be lucky. Boyd Hill. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Although, didn't get the trainers. He didn't get the trainers. Didn't and, get the trainers. And crucially, today we won't go into it. But he hasn't been invited. To something that he's been furious about, fuming. Oh no, all day. Do go into it. Yeah, Kay's going to a big Sky event tonight, which I haven't been invited to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. James, as you know, this never happens. I never get invited to anything that Boyd yeah. wouldn't be invited to because that just would never happen. But today, I just said to him, "Are you going to the? You know, 
Yesterday we had a BBC launch where they revealed all their, you know, the drama commissions. And today they're doing a Sky One. So I just said, you know, casually, I didn't think it would start this whole thing up. And I kind of wish I hadn't because we lost quite a few hours to um, an investigation, deep root, rooted <laughs> investigation into um, if he'd been, I thought he'd been invited and he's just deleted the email. But yeah. yeah well, let's out, face it, you thought I'd gone, gone senile as well and that forgotten about it. I was starting to get a little, because yeah. a few yeah. things have happened yeah, today that we were a bit worried about. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but in fact, I just didn't get invited to it. Because yeah. you might have got invited to it. I think it, his James. email's blocked. It and but he's still he's holding he keeps on bringing it up to me. Was I invited? I've no idea. I literally, literally, and I'm not even exaggerating, haven't looked at my inbox this week. No. So no, it is Thursday that. as we record, <laughs> and, and I have many... not checked my no. emails. Ooh, yeah. That was a busy bar. Yeah, I have had such true. a busy week. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, no, you were this when you've been invited like a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. I'm excited yeah, to see usurped. what the new. Re- it's good no. to get when you know you're usurped. It's fine. Or maybe this guy just thought enough to be boring on about buddy Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. We don't yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They said enough. They of course, yeah, Curb is a Sky show. Exactly. They don't need to invite you because they know you're going to talk about their shows anyway. Mm. So. Mm. Yes. Anyway, you will see the results of my uh, Jerry Seinfeld interview in I think the next issue of uh, Empire out soon. <laughs> You're obsessed with the music. Who'd have thought? Accents wow. and uh, instrumentals. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've watched none of those things, uh, but I watched the first episode of Wolf Like Me, season two. Oh yeah. After we recorded Pilot Plus, did you? Uh, love it was it? exciting to see them back. Uh, the first episode was kind of easing you back in. A lot has happened since the first one. It was dealing with uh, pregnancy and lycanthropy. That's a complication you don't normally have to talk to your uh, your obstetrician about. Uh, but there you go. And um, and yeah, it was quite fun. And it's moving house and it's changed and it's her dealing with her her various issues. But yeah, I I'm, I am enjoying it. So that was good. Uh, I also pressed on and watch the rest of Constellation. Oh. Which we talked about last week. Uh, and and I stand by the fact that it takes a good few episodes yeah. for you to even vaguely understand what's going on. There is a point, a little over halfway through the show, where the pieces start to fall into place. And when they do, it's actually very, very satisfying, I will say. And it's the kind of thing where if you're paying attention, you can see the clues, but they just don't make a lot of sense out of context. So it's quite elliptical storytelling in Constellation. It's a risky business. It is very much so, is especially because it, it's not a binge drop. Like it just you have like to wait Event Horizon on, on, back on I'm not phone. giving away any spoilers. <laughs> I'm just saying that actually I found it, once it does pay off, once you do understand what's going on, I actually found it very gratifying. I actually really enjoyed it. Sure. But it, it, it took a while to get there. And I think a lot of people, including some people who've mentioned on Twitter, mm. have kind of been like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm giving up. And it's like, no, stick with it. Like, do stick with it. Because yeah. actually, it's a really, really interesting show. A lot of the American reviews I was reading, like varieties I was saying, just took too long to get to the It does. Point. It really does. I, I mean, it's asking a lot for people to commit to like five episodes or whatever before you yeah. get to understand. Especially when on. they don't drop all at once. Like, because yeah. you've got to wait sort of a number of weeks before you have even the first clue what is happening because it is so, you know, opaque in, in, in doling out what's going on. But there's a very clever device that is used to explain what is happening and actually it's a, it, I've certainly seen it done before I can't name the films and whatnot that it has been used in before because that will obviously give away what it is but the device used to explain what's happening is well deployed and actually it's very gratifying and it's a, it's a, it's a really good episode is it, so, is it called voiceover? It's, yes boy yeah. someone basically goes yeah. hello just to explain this show <laughs> and tells you what's happening yeah, uh, yeah it's extraordinary quite, talking of which there's some quite good devices like that in June I thought the basically ah what, yes Florence Pugh Florence Pugh's yes. entire character is 
explaining the story. Well, interestingly, so Princess Irulan, that is literally her task. So in the book, she mm. provides the mm. intros to every chapter. Right. So she contextualizes yeah. everything. And in David Lynch's film, she narrates the entire film. Uh, it reminded me of Star Trek, that star, you know, star log. She did, it's yeah. true. She does yeah. start each scene with, Stardate 21, 32.5. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow we're back to June. Yeah. Sorry. We always, we're never Everybody far from goes June. Back to June. We are never far from June. For the next few years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, okay, so I got called out on Twitter this morning because I, I posted Why? a little bit about June and I said how much I loved it. But I did mention that it's brilliant. It is a five star film for me. It is like it's written for me. But I think the normies are going to oh, have a problem yeah, with it. Yeah, I saw that. And someone called me out for my pejorative use of the normies yeah, as if, yeah, oh yeah, we do yeah, a snooty yeah. elite, oh we're so cool with sci-fi, you know but the normal people James, won't get it. Yeah, it's peak snooty Magoofy yeah. territory. But, but, it's like real dick and to be You fair, know that though, he, don't you? Yeah, he's probably not wrong. But but <laughs> but I guess what I was trying to convey in my snooty Magoofy kind of way was not, not in a kind of elitist way, but in a kind of an accessibility mm. way that genuinely I do think the, the, the kind of the you know, the accessibility of this story, like the bar is set quite high. So first of all, like when Denny Villeneuve was like, oh, you don't need to have seen the first one, listeners, you really, really need to have seen the first one. Uh, and second of all, I kind of think if you are not of the, like for example, Kay, take yourself for an example, a person who all right, I mean, is just, not... Wait a minute, I'm just limbering up to be insulted. That's here. it, right, please be. Yeah, this is great. And someone who <laughs> is not naturally au fait with speculative fiction, yep. I think you would struggle with it because I think it would just irritate you. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's... I mean, it's, these are all fair comments. Yeah, it's not, it's not welcoming to... People such as yourself. Mm. So yeah, but it was your wording. It was the, it literally was like you know what's who's the guy in the Simpsons? You know, it's like it's I comic think you're fine. Yeah, I think you're fine. Normies won't get <laughs> you. Normies will not understand. Only I understand what the Besage Jadarat Quizats Haverach bullshit is. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that confusing. I would agree with you. I'll go back to the film again. Come. <laughs> I, mean, I would why agree not with on you. this TV podcast. Why not? I would agree with you that you need to have seen the first film, absolutely. Yes. But it's not that confusing. It's fairly straightforward, honestly. It's just, it's just, you just deal with all the kind of paraphernalia and get and get used to it. It's, it's not that confusing. It's not like it's not as confusing as you know. What's the the TV show I always refer to? The really confusing one. Which one? Foundation. Foundation. It's easier to follow than Foundation. Uh, I think. Foundation. Interesting. Foundations establishing kind of back to TV. Thank God. Yeah, we are back to TV. TV. This is legitimate conversation. I found foundations um, kind of ideas Mm. and um, almost establishing, um, what's the word I'm looking for, themes and all of that. Yeah. Really quite bewildering. So what you really needed was a foundation course. (laughs) Me. So compared to that, June is absolutely a breeze to follow. You don't normies. Normies. I can't just using. Boyd that word, says the normies will be fine. Yeah, there we that go. That word is a big bowl of wrong. Take that word out of your mouth. Yeah, especially because you didn't put it in quotes either. You just just said it. Just, yeah, just you normies. Morons yeah. can follow it. Even yeah, right. That's what you're saying. Okay, um, back to TV. Const- other than Constellation, have you watched anything else? No, like Constellation has been largely it. Right. Like I've, I, like I say, I ploughed through it all, and I was, I'm very, very pleased I persevered with it. I encourage you to do likewise. It is uh, obviously the first few episodes are available now on Apple TV Plus. With more to come, the penny will drop. I promise. I hope you've uh, encouraged me. I might watch it at the weekend. Yeah, K two isn't that right, K? Mm, I'd rather climb K two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my you god. killed Boyd. I killed Boyd. <laughs> that was such a kind of like uh, I don't know one little one line of zig. I'd rather climb KT. Like, uh, that was Groucho that was borderline partridge, right? Yeah, there. It was. Uh, I like partridge it. means Groucho Marx yeah. means I don't know. I'm in favour. What next? More ch- June chat? No, no more June chat unless you have some June messaging for us from the post bag. I mean, don't make promises. You can't keep. No, that's <laughs> that's actually fair. There may well be more June. If you chat. do, I'm just telling you, I'm walking out. 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, come on. How are you doing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, kind of TV, kind of, no? Did no. you hear that, Bob? Yes, yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. Mm. Point in favour. Yeah. Right, okay, Kay, you are the postmistress. Let's have the listener question. You have shared it with us, but unfortunately when you shared it, I was recording the Empire podcast, so I have not read it. So I'm just going to wing this. Okay, fine. So I did send it quite late in the day. And just to say a thank you to everyone on Twitter, because I put an emergency call out on Twitter because I didn't have one to hand. And loads of people did reply, but I'll be using those in the post bag on Pilot Plus. But today's question comes from Muttley68. Brilliant name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. So, which is generally sounds like my cough, as, as you've already heard. <laughs> um, and he asks, we've had an adventure in space and time showing how Doctor Who was created. We've had Julia, which shows how the French chef was created. So what other TV shows would you like to see an origins drama of? An origin oh. story? Well, so, so what we're saying, like a prequel to a show... Giving no, the no, origin no, of no, a show. drama showing you the origins of a show. A drama dramatizing. So Oh, I yeah. see. Dramatizing so like, how a show came yes, together. Yes. Right. Exactly. I yes. see. An adventure in space and time was Doctor Who, the story of how Doctor Who was created. Didn't know up that. To, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um sounds very inside I was gonna say baseball, but inside television, really. Yeah, of course, but you know, when a show's that popular and that that's the whole thing. What is that's the whole <laughs> question is how what kind of how interesting would it be? And this is this is a dramatization, not a documentary. Absolutely, yes. dramatization. Yeah, yes. and, and Julia, I guess, yeah, is dramatizing because her she chef. became famous by her show on TV, and so mm-hmm. it's partly drama, dramatizing how that TV show came about as well. I, I think it's a good question. You brought up Partridge. I'd quite like to see a origin story of Partridge. A dramatized yeah. Yeah. origin where someone is playing Steve Coogan. Yeah. He, is that what yes. you're saying? This feels no, quite not. fraught. It's yeah, not. that is. It's not well, what that I'm is saying. what the logical answer. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is the logical answer. Yeah, doesn't That's annoying. I'll give you some. some I, ideas. Wanted, I wanted it to be. Sorry, just to clarify, I wanted it to be Partridge before his show. Oh, so yeah, knowing me, prequel. knowing you, then that's just a prequel. <laughs> yeah, a prequel. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. god. Yeah. No. no. I Is it possibly you haven't understood your own question? Yeah. I mean. Oh, don't come. Look, you have to have me explain to you. I did understand it. I, I just got that bit wrong. Still don't understand I... your question. So. Oh. Uh, gone, boy. Well, you know, you know how um, that Netflix show dramatizing the women's wrestling uh, yes. glow, glow, yeah. right? So I'm saying gladiators. And now I'm kind of slightly. Do you think that would be think, interesting? Yeah, gladiators was invented. It was an American format. Yeah, I do think it would be interesting. Yeah, would actually. it though? Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was American format. I thought yeah, it meant yeah. UK. Well, already, you're Yes, I already have learned something. Yeah, so there you, you go. Learned something. Yeah. Kay's on board. Yeah. yeah. And now it became like a huge thing globally. It became a huge thing in this country with, with Baywatch. It was on, you know, around that same time as Baywatch became a huge, massive thing. Um, families watch it together. And then the current iteration. Yeah, I think it's. I think it would be fascinating. What if yeah. there was a dramatization of Bake Off and it's all about like the Mary Berry, I mean, you know, the break, the rift. Well, absolutely. You're yeah. right. Yeah. What rift? There was a rift. You know, when 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 like, yeah, now, now, are competitions. Yeah. Yes. So 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 point. bearing in mind, so so and I'm a limited understanding of a show that I do not watch, but my understanding is it changed channel. Yeah. 100%. And she, did she jump ship or did she yeah. not jump ship? She I did. Think, I don't think and a he big didn't. rift. Uh, yeah, he he stayed. He yeah, stayed, and she stayed. left. She left, yeah. and so did Mel and Sue. Who were the that's hosts. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. a rift. I mean, that's a rift. There's a bit of drama. I don't think it's a big rift, sounds, but yeah, sounds drums to me. It was Mel and Sue weren't saying, happy at all. So you saying that um, Dame Mary Berry fell out with Paul Hollywood for sticking with it? To some extent, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, completely. Don't, don't you remember this? God, I've blanked it out. Yeah, completely blanked um, it out. It was, uh, do you know what? I actually have to. Um, for this, uh, you're you know, defending James. Second time on the podcast. Agree with James. It's sick. Ban the sick filth. That is a good idea and that is it's a better idea than Gladiator because <laughs> you need competition between that's what um, Jerry Seinfeld's film is about by the way 
Um, it's what, about, Bake Off? No, it's about the creation of Pop-Tarts, the, the breakfast thing. Mm. And it's two companies, Kellogg's and they, another company, um, competing to create them. And that, so, yeah, you're right. The drama comes out of that kind of um, competition. So I should think of a better example. Than, <laughs> I than, thought of a Monty Gladiators. Python one and then was informed by Boyd that there was always Yeah, there is a drama about Monty Python. Because that would have been... Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's it called? It was, I can't remember what it was called. And now for something completely different. No, that was the name of the Monty Python film. Yeah. Yes. While you, you look know. it up, also 40 yeah. Towers, because I thought the Connie and um, John Cleese yeah, creating it show. together yeah. and then the yeah. fallout. Well, I mean, yes, I don't. I must admit, I don't know much about the fallout, so I'd like to. Mm. Blue Peter, some of the behind the scenes. Like, oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to the episode. Where, yeah, that's what I yes. thought. I'm looking for the Dog episode candle. when someone breaks in and trashes the Blue Peter garden. <laughs> yeah. The time, digging up the time cap. Holy Flying Circus was the name of the oh. 2011 um, British TV drama that told the story of uh, it was it was focused on the life of Brian. That was it. It was focused on the life of Brian, but it was very much you know it, it, it did t- it did at the same time tell the story of Monty Python really, and um, it had a really good cast. Our friend Rufus Jones played Terry Jones in it. Steve Pump played Eric Idle. Darren Boyd played John Cleese. It was good. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It was probably on iPlayer or something. But that was a good idea. Mm. Yeah, by you. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Endorsed by Boyd yeah. Wilson. What more could you want? Um, I've also some non- other non-competitive ones, but like, I'm fascinated by, um, you know, Quiz, when they dramatised Who Wants mm-hmm. to Be a Millionaire. A, mm. a lot, they, the first episode involved a lot of dramatising the creation of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Do you remember? Like they had all the, the executives coming together and they, tra- oh, they yes. tried it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. worked out how many questions to ask. Yeah. I found all that stuff fascinating. Did and Richard so- Osman create... Um, was he part of the team? He I did don't that? think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Um, it was Celador. No, it was... Um, oh. Yeah, it was Celador, which was owned by Jasper Carrot. The comedian, that was his company, yeah. That's great. Anyway, I would like to see dramas about the creation of The Chase. Oh my God, his favourite show. Best Wheel? on TV. And Michael McIntyre's The Wheel. <laughs> I like, and the latter I can easily do because I know Dan the producer. So yeah, there's, I, I'm, that'd be fun. <laughs> how you work out how to, to work, because game shows are quite complicated. Like The Chase is complicated format. You know, you have different stages and how you perfect that, I find fascinating. Probably just me, but I would, I would watch as James. the kids say. And friends? finally, what? Friends. I, oh, I forgot to mention, I watched the Chandler and Monica's wedding of episode of Friends this week. Of course you did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But what about one, you know, like the all the. Yeah, that will happen, won't it? That's bound to yeah. happen. There's got to be a Yeah, that, that's that would be a good happen. one. Yeah, mm. For sure. Probably, what anniversary was it where they did the um, the show the, last year or the year before? Probably whatever the next anniversary is. I bet they do it. They should do a drama. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Blake Seven, which would be very similar to the Doctor Who one, but with Blake Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was such a rickety, you know, kind of oh my God, 80s, f- 70s, 80s show. Sex and the City, the fallout between SJP and yeah, Kim Cattrall. That would yeah, be another good yeah. one. God, this, what a great question from Muttley 68. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> it's one of, a good question. <laughs> Are we done? Are we done with the question? We're yes. finished with the question. If you would like your question addressed on this particular podcast, do send them to K at K Ribeiro. Only on Twitter. She can't get into Instagram. The person who runs her Instagram account is a hacker. <laughs> Do not send it there. Oh, yeah, uh, don't. Or at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Not run by hackers. Time now for this week's guest. And this week's guest is Jonathan Bailey, who stars in Fellow Travellers, which you may remember we reviewed when it first aired a couple of months back. Now, he's in town to promote the show in advance of awards season, uh, which tackled homosexuality under McCarthyism. Now, Boydie spoke to him about the show and, yes, the infamous <laughs> toe-sucking scene. Hello, Johnny Bailey. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How's it going? It's very good, Boyd. Lovely to see you. And to see you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Um, I'm going to read you this um, review of Fellow Travellers to start with. 
Two men meet by chance and we follow their relationship across the decades, from the heights of McCarthyism in the 50s to the AIDS crisis of the 80s. This is devastating, gripping, hot, brilliant and absolutely wonderful. Landmark TV, written with such ferocious, unsparing intelligence. I've never seen so clearly how the closet, with all its lies, power and compromise, perfectly fits the world of politics and such a profound understanding of sex with joy, fear, kink, role play and the sheer complications of two men negotiating each other. And the most brilliant cast. Do you recognise those words, Johnny Bailey? No, I don't. Well, it was written by someone that I know, my mum. Yeah, <laughs> it was not written by your mum. It was written by Russell T Davis. Are you kidding? No. Oh, my God. Well, that, you know, it's the highest honour that you poss- possibly be bestowed. But Yeah. Well, right. well, it's written by someone who knows how to write, because that is an incredible... Yeah. yeah. And incredible. who wrote... It, and who wrote Queer as Folk, etc., you know, which I feel is like, you know, perhaps the start of the whole, you know, TV drama dealing with gay men kind of uh, saga. Yeah, I think so. I, I said recently, I was like, there's no fellow travellers without Queer as Folk. And um, I suppose it's, a, it's it's unsurprising that it's quite easy to join the dots of all these, you know, impactful queer series, especially the ones that are respected and given these prestige TV budgets, um, which is, you know, what made... Jumping into fellow travel is just a sort of no-brainer. Um, and obviously, Russell T. Davis, uh, there's so much to be thankful to him for, just purely on the basis of the fact that he allowed us to even sort of dream that it might, you know, these things might be possible, these stories would be told in that way, and to not shy away from the intimacy of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm determined for him. And I wonder if he's met Ron Nicewana, who, who wrote Fellow Travellers, but I do think, you know, they, they sh- they're they brilliant minds. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That he wrote that on Instagram. That was an Instagram post when when the show um, came out. Uh, yeah, he's going to so, get he's going to get a big old uh, like from me. Today. Good, good. I was just, <laughs> just yeah, I was fascinated to know whether you'd seen it or not. So I'm glad that I, I I alerted you to it. You're a busy man. You can't monitor every Instagram post. If you monitor, I think I learned that from the Netflix effect. If you try and monitor stuff, mm. it just goes up. You know, right. So right. But, um, but I do. I, I you know I was obviously profoundly aware of. Um, What's in, in really brilliant is when you know people outside of you know the obvious target audience, which is the community that understand it. And there's been so many messages actually on Instagram. It's the first time that I've really seen the need for people to communicate how they relate, not just to Tim and Hawk, but to every character, and and also the you know the, the lack of support for men and women who have been with people in the closet over time, and how that you know that sort of trauma bleeds through a family. And there's been so many was played by Alison Williams as the wife of uh, Matt Bowman's character. But, you know, everyone was just brilliant. And it's just so, you know, obviously it's said time and time again, but when you respond to material in a way and then other people then later down the line, once it's made and have that same sort of chemical reaction to it, it's great. Was the was the script, when you read the script, did it, did it make it quite clear that this it was you know it was going to cover all the bases of sexuality particularly and kind of go into that into such in a kind of sex positive way in a way? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's funny. Sex positive is a term I was I I'm still sort of confused by, but Sorry, no, no, I, script, yeah, I just all... dropped in by accident. <laughs> no other way of describing no, I it. it. Yeah. I was like, boy, you're so sort of, uh, <laughs> so so. Um, I yeah, I read it and and uh, there was no surprises at all. If anything. There were some really experimental stuff that that didn't make the edit, <laughs> um, but but uh, it, the first and foremost is this: you know, uh, you respond to the revelation of the lavender scare and exactly what that was, which to me was news, and I I didn't know about that sort of very 
bleak and dark moment in in history. Um, and then the inclusion of uh, the Marcus and Frankie storyline, of course, including a sort of black queer narrative within it, and the intersection between the civil rights and the queerness and the liberation, and and that that whole experience, I think, if I found fascinating. And then and then when you finally get to the first, well, sort of as Ron wrote it, scene, which obviously is probably quite famous now, with involving feet. Um, you just think, well, of course, that's exactly what you need because if you're going to explore a world where a community is marginalised and oppressed so extremely and so intensely, you know, it's the same level of um, ferocious sort of microscopic attention that you that you give when Matt Bomer is also being polygraph tested to try and disprove to someone, um, you know, a part of himself. So, yeah, of course, you want to see these these characters are sort of committing to every single moment and it's survival. So it would be completely wild not to include um, the intimacy that is then afforded when they're for only, you know, these short moments in either a public toilet or or at home and um, the, the intimacy that everyone else is afforded so easily um, outside of that community. Uh, so I thought I saw it as just an amazing bit of storytelling and nothing, nothing more, nothing more. But I thought I thought the foot scene was so clever in a way because um, it had to be like a radical sex act in a way, didn't it? I think it, you know because we've seen you know everything you've seen before. It felt like something different and fresh and new. I think just to depict that in that moment. Yeah, I think it did, and I think I think the power um, shifting between the two of them and that ex- exploration of of how Tim asserts himself over Hawk and ultimately has to use something um to get to get what he wants which he does and the scene is sort of uh in action just as brilliant as say a phoebe waller bridge fleabag scene around the dinner table where you just don't know exactly what's going to come next and 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 i th- yeah i think it serves the purpose obviously to get an audience's attention but but also to show the extremity you know the, the, the extreme nature of of the the need for connection, but also the desperation of Tim to, you know, that, that he wants to deliver something to this man in a way that no one else has. So yeah, it would have to be that extreme thing. And how do you establish that level of intimacy with Matt Bomer? Like, did you, you know, do you, did you talk about it first, you know, generally, you know, scenes of intimacy with him or do you, you know, how do you, what, do you establish kind of a general way of doing it? Well, it was, uh, you know, I, we, we only met a, a week, no, about five days before we started really rehearsing and the rehearsals included, um, key moments, the scene where they first meet, and obviously we mapped out the intimacy and we talked around it. But we we met for a coffee, and um, it's funny. I, I mean, you just get to a point in your career where you have had experiences of intimacy scenes, so you sort of know what it's going to be. There's absolutely no doubt that both of us were understanding of the importance of it and the opportunity to, to be able to show that level of intimacy and the psycho, the psychosexual element of the power play that I hadn't seen before necessarily. Um, but yeah, you just, we just had a really frank conversation that will probably never be talked about, but you do have to just go, I think you just have to sort of lay your cards down and just say, look, I'm going to be here for you. And I need you to tell me if anything feels, you know, it's a very, it's a transactional, but also incredibly sort of important and, and ultimately like an incredibly bonding um creative challenge to do a merry dance with someone and it's not just it's not that it's also you know i remember the scenes lying in the hospital bed that we shot on world aids day and those 
by far, I think, were the most exposing because it was it was sort of, you know, we're surrounded by an incredible team of predominantly queer sort of creatives. And they've all got, you know, it's bringing back so many memories and the ghosts of very recent generations were there with us. And, and there were really emotional moments. So I think actually, although the conversation was, of course, about the intimacy, the physical intimacy, we also discussed like, you know, you're going on this journey with each other. And actually, I, you know, having now watched it and I know that it's something that I would love to have seen if I wouldn't had not been in it. So that's always a good sign. But the way that I think me and Matt look at each other at the end, you know, you, you can see that we have gone on a journey together and, and it's amazing what you kind of, what you, you set out and it's like a mountain. It's a bit big bit of marble and you just think, I don't know. And if you think about the bigger picture, of course, it's completely overwhelming, like anything, but you just, the first step is just to go, it's okay if you ever feel uncomfortable and also just offer up any, don't ever feel that your instincts should be, or impulses should be um, curbed at any moment because we'll, let's discuss it. And, um, but, you know, that also comes with experience. And I think both me and Matt have had intimate, you know, experiences on set before. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of actually incredibly grounding. But of course, it's a relief that it sort of totally all made sense in the end. Yeah, completely. <laughs> well, I mean, it's such an ambitious show as well. As you, you mentioned, you know, the, the fact that you're playing a character going through decades of his life and in, and, and, it, and, and it is itself like an incredibly ambitious thing. Do you, when you first, when you read it all, were you like daunted a bit by that prospect? Or do you th- think, oh, this is something I can really stick my teeth into? I think, it was, I mean, it came at a time where I couldn't, yeah, I, I, it's, I sort of describe it in a similar way to probably how Tim feels meeting Hawk. You just, it's, it's a romantic, there is a romantic response to good work. And it's sort of, sometimes you just can't get away from jobs, I find. So I did, I, you know, I spoke to, to Ron and Dan and then, and then, and then I did, you know, I auditioned with Matt as well, which was great because that sort of instilled in me confidence. But um, yeah, I sort of nervously giggled in the approach to it. <laughs> And and I just, you know, you just sort of think, well, how do you do that? It's not like you can necessarily turn to your mates who are also actors and go, you know, what did you do when you played a character over four decades? But but that's what's so brilliant about it. And um it, you know, you move I moved to another country and you do, you just commit you commit yourself fully to it. And I really enjoyed the discipline of of the work and obviously working on an accent and just and the research around it. I was terrible at history at school. I couldn't focus at all. Um, and and it, it's actually quite a surprise to me now that I'm really, anything that has a historical context or um, particularly like the politics of American politics, I was sort of slightly, you know, really ignorant um, going into this. So it was just an amazing thing to learn. And there's so many people that obviously have lived that experience. And I do, the, the beautiful thing I think about the series is that final shot where you zoom out and you realise Tim and Hawke are just one of tens of thousands of, you know, amazing predominantly men. So you just go, you just with the weight on your shoulder of that, but it's, it, it's actually quite grounding. And so you sort of nervously giggle, but you just crack on. And, and of course you're surrounded by people who know what's going on and Ron had researched it meticulously. So yeah, it was, you know, it will never not be, I think, ultimate highlight for me yeah i'm sure yeah it, it feels like such a, an extraordinary role to get i mean if you, if you think if you have do you wake up in nightmares going well if i hadn't have got it you know you missed out on this like yeah, extraordinary. Yeah. well it was funny because also with tim i don't know he just there's so many twists and turns with that character and it's amazing it's quite it's, you know it's brilliant to see what how he turns up you just don't really know especially when it starts skipping through decades at the end but i um 
yeah, it's weird. I just, there's sometimes you just, there's, there's sort of no, it doesn't seem like there's a world in which I wouldn't have played that part. But, you know, of course, if I'd have seen someone else play it, I, I think it's the sort of part that you, because of the fact that it's so robust and and elevated and and sort of superbly acquitted, the, the series, I think anyone who would have played those parts, it would have felt like no one else would have played. You know, it's just, there's such, yeah, a very strong sort of, visual style to it as well yeah well i was going to ask about that because when you're in the middle of it it has got such a strong it's such it is got such a strong um stylish quality so a real it's a real uh, you know the peak tv is the kind of cliche word for it but this is an absolute example of that isn't it it's got, it feels like it's got the the kind of investment to make the production design and everything work beautifully when you're in the middle of filming that are you do you know do you have that certainty that oh yeah this is something proper i'm i'm, I'm involved in yeah i mean it's for me. So it's obviously I've not worked in North America before, and um, I we did like you know camera tests, and you can see almost immediately, um, you know what the cinematographers and the operators are doing, and it allows you know obviously to suspend your sort of disbelief or concerns going into it. But um, no, it, I mean all the best stuff that I, I find it just, it feels incredibly intimate, despite the fact that it's creating these beautiful images and and two of the directors were British one of whom James Kent I've worked with before um and Destiny it was made, like just brilliant and 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 it was almost like you had four different auteur experiences with them um and they're different you know and Uta who directed the last two episodes as a cinematographer before she became a director so she, you know it was all it you were very aware of particularly with the intimacy and how intelligently that was handled because it was all about framing really and how much you so I sort of felt like I lost uh, I learned a lot about just listening to the, the the visual language which and so I think that's what yeah allowed me to to understand exactly what you know how brilliant and beautiful it was going to look by the way that they were talking and it was you know all all brilliant tv is like nerds just nerds in a room yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, way, and that's completely, yeah, it's, yeah, it has to be, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, talking of uh, uh, not so much nerds, but Bridgerton is on its way back soon. Is the pressure slightly less less on you this time because you're not the your character isn't the focus of the whole of season three? Yeah, totally, and also, yeah, the pressure or the baton even has been handed over, and um, it's going to be yeah, I mean, it's going to be brilliant. And now you know, uh, blissfully married in. Uh, in in uh with uh kate sharma and simone ashley you know it's it's um it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to be able to go back and support and uh um so yeah so it's a hard, it's a very different experience but it's um you know even better for it i think it's also a sex positive show isn't it i'm gonna use that phrase again totally my gosh no i think i'm beginning to understand what it means <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it really is and i think i also think i always think like is sex positive about saying everyone should have more sex or sex mm-hmm. is or is sort of eliminating the shame of it. I would, I would, I would, exa- yeah. I would compare the two as being. I would suggest that the sexual interactions in fellow travellers are more sort of, hopefully, educational. I feel like coming away from that sort of, um, sort of opus of, I don't know, sexual interaction. You'd understand why gay men have operated in the way they do. It felt it felt like the sex delivered something different to me and travellers, but in in Bridgerton, hundred percent, it's just saying people have sex and let's enjoy it, let's turn people on as we go, yeah, let's <laughs> celebrate it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's celebratory of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Shonda Rhimes is like a complete phenomenon. I went to they had a they had a uh, 
event last week um where she was there it was great to see her and you know it's just in, she's just uh, in 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 london in the yeah place. in london yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure you're invited you're busy i'm sure it was just to see her kind of there you know such a, a impressive powerful figure i just think it's fantastic that she gets to do this stuff it gets to kind of make these huge big um lavish shows just the way that she sees the world and feels injustice is evident in the way that she approaches these stories i think i saw her at the human rights campaign she accepted an award last year at the end of last year and <clears throat> matt, matt bohm was also brilliant matt bohm was also um accepting an award but it's just, it was just an amazing moment where you go god matt bohm is winning awards shonda rhimes is here golda our queen charlotte was presenting the award to her and just listening to how even now shonda is constantly reevaluating her sense of self and the urgency by which she needs to evolve and it's just that's you know that's the sign of a real creative but also a real leader i think and she is that um so yeah fascinating to be in a room with someone like that isn't it yeah, yeah for sure yeah i mean you you've you've your your acting career is going brilliantly etc but having worked with like these like great writers particularly i mean you work with phoebe waller bridge obviously um michaela cole you're in an episode of chewing gum one of my favorite episodes of chewing gum which i loved um would you would you like to write stuff yourself do you have you know plans ideas that you want to you want to kind of go or are you happy with acting at the moment I'm happy with, I mean, the thing is, is that I'm so in, I, I mean, I, I just am driven by like the feeling of, be, of being bored, right? And going, even going to the theatre and I just see sort of performances and I don't know. And with writing, I just am so aware of how hard it is. And like, and I wouldn't for a second think I could just crack on and give it a go. Um, but I do, I tell you, the idea of like bringing people together and finding stuff, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing after being in an, in a Netflix show, obviously so many things sort of change, but one thing which is amazing is that suddenly people bring material to you in a way that they wouldn't have done before. You know, because I was a jobbing actor for sort of 15 years before that. Um, and so now seeing material come in and going, God, you know who would be brilliant. I, I can see that that's more of a route that I could take of, um, of yeah, but who knows, you know, but acting for now is the one. And um yeah, I just wouldn't for a second think I could do what Phoebe or Michaela can do. Or, you know, I was just watching Daniel Lawrence Taylor's uh, Borders. Have you seen yes, that? yes. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, really good. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, and I was and just thinking, you know, I remember, I just, I've loved everything he's done, but I remember meeting him years ago and just thinking, God, it's, how does one brain come up with that? But I think that's the magic of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm really pleased you mentioned that because he's done a really good job on that. Yeah, it's 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 really good, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, but it's like singular already. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he's a real talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Johnny, it's been brilliant speaking to you. Um, congratulations on everything, particularly fellow Travers, which is an absolute triumph, um, as I'm sure you're aware. Thank you. And hopefully speak to you again soon. Cheers. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. That was Boydie and Jonathan Bailey. And time now for the news. What's happened in the news, people? Tell me. Well, Kay went to a huge, big BBC drama launch uh, yesterday. <laughs> Were you I'm, invited, you know, Boyd? I, I was invited to that one. I think. I think I was. You but I didn't go invited. to it. Oh, I didn't go to it because it was due, Clash with June. And June! Our, and Arsenal playing, etc. But the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to sum up. Yeah, you can sum up all of them. But the one, there's one that I'm really excited yeah, about. Yeah, go on. I know what and, you And um, as soon as I saw this play... I was like, this has got to be a TV series or a film, one of the two, and it is going to be a four-part drama. And I'm referring to Dear England, 
the James Graham of um, uh, the Welsh show The Sherwood, Way and Sherwood and Sherwood and Quiz that I was talking about before the, who wants nice to be in Billionaire Drama total full circle I <laughs> planned it his play Dear England is one of the best things I've seen at theatre for years and it's brilliant it's about the England football team as managed by Gareth Southgate and how Gareth Southgate kind of transformed the psychology as much of anything as the England players uh, and improved the team and became world you know, um, uh, world class, really, in many mm. ways. And that is being turned into a four-part drama on BBC One with Joseph Fiennes um, uh, playing the lead role of Gareth Southgate, who did play the same role on stage when I saw him. They haven't announced the rest of the cast yet. I really hope, because the cast of not that famous young guys who played the England footballers was really good, one, the one I saw. So I hope they retain some of that cast to to um, to be in the show. And my big question is, so this is, they're being, being, I don't know if they said any more about it at the event, but I wonder if it's gone into production yet or if it's finished writing yet because it's the Euros this summer, of course. I don't um, think they said, right. I don't think they gave So those what would details. be amazing was if they if he's finished writing it and they film it in the next few weeks and they get, get it post-production done in time, it could in theory be on this summer to tie in with the Euros. God, that would be amazing. Yeah, which would be incredible, which could be gathered Southgate's final um, Don't uh, say it. competition. Don't it say that. Be. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Dear England, thanks very much. And what else was announced, Kate? Two more series of Blue Lights. Remember that? The Belfast two Basin. more series? Yes, oh, I, I knew there was another one coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was two. No, yeah. Bold move from the BBC. They loved it and um, fans will be excited about that. Two more six-part series. Um, also, there's... Oh, now, we love Amy Lou Wood. Yes, sex education. We do. And also Ralph Davis, so he's from SAS Rogue Heroes, and they have co written a comedy drama called Film Club, and um, that's been commissioned. So that's. Okay, the first rule of Film Club. <laughs> Go on. It, it, it's actually about the, the movie geeks, isn't it? Film buffs. They pay film buffs, I believe. Yeah. Mm. So that's not just an entirely random title. Um, there is something, well, the working title, Lions. It's an original six part drama about two men across the decades, written and created by um, Richard Gadd. Familiar, Boyd? Yeah. Yeah. Wherever's work. Yeah. And there's, there's loads more, but I was also excited about, um, there's like the Ministry of Time, based on Callie Ann Bradley's hotly anticipated debut novel of the same name, and that's been adapted by Alice Birch. And also there's a spin-off of, do you remember The Split? I was a big fan of that, mm. um, Abby Morgan. Well, there's a, a spin-off called The Split Up, and it's a six-part series. It's going to be um, set in the high-stakes world of Manchester's divorce law circuit, where one family of lawyers, the Kitchens, reign supreme. And that was the news from the uh, BBC drama launch. It was exciting. I've been to no launches. I've seen no trailers. Ugh. I've read no news. You've I have literally no emails. I've answered no emails. I have no idea what's been going on this week. None. Another bit of news, then I'll give you. Sorry. Prime Video have greenlit a feature-length documentary chronicling the final twelve days of Roger Federer's professional tennis career, and that's been helmed by Asif Kapadia um, and co-directed by Joe Sabia. Um, and it's I'm excited about that because I love Roger Federer. He met, he did uh, the Amy Winehouse documentary. Yes, he did. It's very good, and the um, Senna documentary. So he is yes, he's he's one of our foremost documentarians. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good news. I want to mention um, the Nick Pizzolatto um, controversy mm. that we mentioned this in. Um, What's he said now? As well, it has moved on. Yeah, he's now done something even more idiotic. So in Variety reports today, True Detective creator Nick Pizzolatto poked posts bizarre statement on season four trolling, says TV criticism is treated like Hitlerian evil that must be stamped out. Oh my God. And yeah, he, he wrote this um, ludicrous um, Instagram post in which he, so basically 
this story is that he alluded when when this version of True Detective um, started that he wasn't involved and he kind of like slyly referred, made it quite clear that he wasn't impressed by yeah, it. he was snarky Partic- about it. He was snarky about it, and particularly the fact that it tried to connect, had connective tissue to mm. his first season. Right, so he made that quite clear, which is classless yes. and, mm-hmm. and uh, irritating. He then got loads of people kind of a mixture of people complaining to him and and then and people even um um the the creator was asked about obviously in all the interviews she did uh, you know once the finale um came about and she was like it's a shame you know you know that Issa Lopez Issa Lopez she talked about it's a shame that he, he did that um and now just to keep the, thing, the whole thing going, he created a specific post. So he was annoyed that his Instagram posts were getting invaded by people complaining to him, telling him he was a piece of shit. <laughs> in, in quote, you know, <laughs> that's my that's my interpretation. That's my word um, for slagging off the show, for inherently slagging off um, Issa Lopez's work. And so he's like, "All right, I'll create this place, this specific posting, and you can all attack me here." And that's where he had this reference to how it was Hitlerian. You know, oh, it's quite useful. Their mop up zone. The, the point is. But the point is, so he's saying, oh, you know, you're not allowed to say anything criticizing TV these days. It's like, you're the creator of the first of this series. And that's what's horrible about it. You as a professional writer yeah. is slagging off a fellow writer who, who wasn't even didn't even come up with the idea of doing it as a true detective. She was asked by HBO to turn it into a true detective thing. And quite rightly, and it's turned out to be brilliant. And most people think it's fantastic and easily one of the TV highlights of the year, if not the TV highlight of the year so far. And he's still being horrible about it, finding new ways. Is- it's to like, be horrible about it. I think the thing about this is that it's totally unnecessary. Yes. You can have these thoughts in private, but you don't need to air them. But also, it's incredibly self-defeating. Like, if he had embraced it and said, this is fantastic, I love what you're doing with it, it's brilliant, like, then it would have reflected well on him as the creator of the series. You know, why not, at the very least, like, you know, you know, build her up, don't but put, I you think, know, knock her down. I don't down. think he even needs to do that if he didn't feel like that, because that would just be completely inauthentic. He just needs to not say anything. Don't trash talk. Yeah. The writer I agree. Of yeah. the show. Just you know, if you haven't got anything, it, it's yeah, yes, that old And I do think it's very like it's a very like, blokey thing to do as well. I think it's a real like you know, she's she's a female showrunner. Mm. It's about women. It's, it's completely. It did feel. Up. Yeah, it feels like he's this fucking slightly you know anti woke. I mean, this is all slight speculation. Is he? Part. I don't know anything about his politics. No, no, I don't know either. I'm speculating. You've just decided, I, I, right? Decided. Okay. But it has that flavour to it. You know, it's Sounds like yeah, right. you know. wearing his MAGA cap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't want him to sue me. I don't, I don't think this is to the pub. Um, but it's got that reeks of that kind of, you know, oh, I'm a bloke and I'm, I'm I'm annoyed that they've taken my thing, my brilliant thing. And made it about series, girls. And actually mm. improved it, basically. Yeah, they have. Because it's better. Very much so. Yeah. Nick, if you are listening, please do feel free to leave us a five-star review. Yeah, and I'd please subscribe to, to Pilot Plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can hear us talk about Night Country in great detail. <laughs> I did. I did interview the director of the first season. Um, what's his name? Of course. Uh, what's his name? Were they nice? He was nice. Yeah, yeah. He was fine. He has a slide off as well as I know. Yeah. Okay. Is that it for news? Have we got anything else? Uh, hold on. You haven't got any news. I've got no news. Opted out. Nothing. Oh, I, actually, there was a sad thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, sorry. Um, there was the really sad news that you and Macintosh, who played Keith in The Office, died this week. Um, the really a young age of fifty, and he was absolutely the scene stealer of mm. the the UK office. 
office. And if you want to see, like, every, his every moment that he's in the office, he, he shines. He steals every single scene he's in in that show. But I, what I particularly love is the the um, assessment scene, the scene where David Brent is assessing him famously. And um, there's the scene itself is brilliant, absolutely brilliant, one of the best scenes in the whole of The Office. But the outtake of it is at one of my favourite outtakes oh, of the time because Ricky can't stop laughing at how brilliantly straight-faced and doubt and uh, a perfect Ewan is in the role of Keith, of Big Keith. And it's fantastic um, outtake, yeah. So um, loads of people it. posted it, yeah, it, this week on Twitter and social media. But really sad that he, he passed away. I remember him loads of times. He was always incredibly funny, lovely, genuine guy. And yeah, that's really sad. So that's the last bit of news. Okay. Well, let's move on now to reviews. And first up this week, we have Shogun. 2024 show of the year, a series I have in no way previously mentioned. <laughs> Such a mystery. Mystery surrounds what James thinks of the show. <laughs> this one sees Cosmo Jarvis as John Blackthorne, a 17th century British privateer who finds himself caught up in Japanese politics after being shipwrecked near Osaka. Shinoboid, do you agree that this is a triumph? Or am I, as is often the case, talking a load of bullshido? <laughs> Do you know what? You're right to look pleased about that one because <laughs> yeah. that was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was slightly, I, I was ambiguous about this one, you know, in what? the kind of. Yeah, I mean, no, before I watched it, I mean, Oh, fine. Oh, yeah, I haven't got it's silly. Hold on. Give whoa, me a chance. Whoa, I'm talking about pre. I was about to get my you know, Generally, I'm either, I'm either up for it, excited, ambivalent, dreading it. Mm. In this way, I was a bit ambivalent. I was like, I vaguely remember the original miniseries yeah. back in 1990. Oh, so do I, old actually. Enough, mm. Old enough, uh, you know, to remember that. And it was a massive deal at the time. It was It was a third of American households watched wow. it. It was, after Roots, it was probably the first yes. big event television yes. thing. It was a huge it was event. a massive deal, yes. Yeah. With Richard Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain, Toshiro Mifune. Yeah. yeah, Richard Chamberlain of the Towering Inferno fame, one of my favourite. God, my mum used to fancy him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and sorry. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name, that guy? Sam Thompson. Just Sam walked Thompson. past the booth and he's wearing a, a supreme, supreme jacket. jacket. Yeah. Who's Sam Thompson? He is a, a greatest it's radio. Or, yes. Yeah, and he won uh, My Mistress to Get Me Out of Here. Okay. He's a reality star. That's that sure. Bauer, Bauer star, Bauer radio star, James. Mm. What's the point? Um, so the Richard Chamberlain role of the of that is taken by uh, Cosmo Jarvis, who seems to be channeling Tom Hardy. <laughs> and remember in Taboo, that that show that Tom yes. Hardy kind of co-produced as well. Ridley Scott, I think, mm-hmm. was involved. And he did this kind of very weirdly posh English accent <laughs> in a very strange. I'm English, and I'm going to speak like this for the whole of the show. <laughs> and so Cosmo Jarvis plays John Platform like this all the way through, and it's really weird, <laughs> disconcerting. <laughs> um, I think you get used to it. You do get used to it, but. It that's a kind of level of almost like humour. I would me. I would argue that during that period, like people didn't sound dissimilar to. No, that. I'm sure. Yeah. Also, there's a certain pomposity about him, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's got. I'm sure it's it's historically justified, but it is it it, it, it was quite funny. Um, so he plays this guy, this um, British guy whose ship gets marooned um, by this Japanese village and he somehow we're talking about this earlier Kay and I we're like how does he become so important to the you know the ruling Japanese there's a kind of battle going on between different houses of the Japanese rulers a bit like Game of Thrones but well, without yeah you know, so this setting. this is the thing that the politics is extremely knotty so yes. we're in a situation Edo period Japan where the leader uh, has died and his son and heir is under age and so mm-hmm. until he comes to age there is a council of five regents and they are all sort of sh- scheming and 
politicking to try and take over and be appointed shogun, which would give them absolute power. So there's a lot going on. And uh, Torunaga, who's played here by Hiroyuki Sanada, he is uh, essentially the one like that we, we spend a lot of time with. He's the legendary face. Hiroyuki Sanada, yes. Um, He's in a very difficult situation as we begin this, and he sees this barbarian, the Anjin, as they call him, which is Japanese for pilot, because that's weirdly... Why are they called the people who steer ships pilots? I do not quite know, but I appreciate the name. Um, he sees that he sees that pilot as someone that he can use to further his goals. Now, his goals are quite opaque. He's not someone who shows his hand, but the politics of this become very important. Thank, I'm so glad that I passed over to James mm. to explain that plot point because he's done it very well. Yes, um, and then it, 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 you also you introduced the first episode sets the scene quite quite com as you say quite complex political kind of battle power battle going yeah. on whilst introducing the John Blackthorn character and his maroon ship with Bounty on board and you meet this um, woman called Toda Marika played by Anna Sawai from Giri Haji. Yes, and, and uh, Monarch most recently. Oh yeah, and Monarch, and she is this kind of mysterious, weird noble woman who's also who's married to the guy but she's also going to help out in translation she's like speaks yeah, she's multiple languages so yeah so we should say so the whole point is obviously this is Japan and they have a very sort of xenophobic uh, attitude at that point in time but the Portuguese have got a foothold there whereby the Portuguese are trading exclusively with the Japanese so these are essentially the first English people uh, well I think it's actually a Dutch vessel but Blackthorn is, is a, an yeah. Englishman who and he's the first ones to find this place and of course they're English they're Protestants so whereas the Portuguese are Catholic so you have this whole thing where the Portuguese have been proselytizing converting a lot of the Japanese including two of the Council of Regents to Christianity to Catholicism and then Blackthorn the Protestant turns up so you've got this weird cultural shift where the Japanese don't especially love these Portuguese except for the ones who have converted to Christianity and then this Protestant turns up and they don't really like him but then there's all sorts of internecine struggles as well uh, but the lady you're talking about Mariko she speaks Portuguese she is a Christian convert so when she translates when we hear English everyone is speaking Portuguese oh yeah so but no one's actually she... speaking English in the show. She's speaking Portuguese. We hear English. <laughs> but is she speaking English wait, as wait. well? No. So this is the thing Are that... Are you sure? That, wait, yeah, how... yeah, absolutely sure. So... She... No, no, just pause. Wait. Yes. How do you know that? Because that's not made clear. It is. It is. is it, it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not super clear, but it is said. Oh, for yes. the, no the normies will The normies will struggle right. with that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Look at <it. laughs> Language, when he's explaining that. I've got to describe it. James is standing there, sitting there, very erect, his hands are flapping like that, like he's, like he's conducting an orchestra. Carry on. Right. So, so yeah, so <laughs> yeah, Lady Marico speaks, speaks obviously Japanese and she speaks Portuguese. Yeah. Blackthorn speaks English and Portuguese, so they commune in Portuguese, but 90% of this show is in Japanese and it is subtitled. Well, I didn't know that Blackthorn yes, speaks it, Portuguese. If, if, um, if all the Japanese uh, dialogue is subtitled, why is in the Portuguese I think because that would be a step Portuguese too far because then none of the film would be in English and I don't think they were prepared to do that. But he's English. He is English, yeah. yes. But he speaks Portuguese. I'm not, I'm going to double check. Yeah. By all means weird. do. By all means do. I don't know if, I don't know if what you're saying is right. Either. I mean it is, but carry on. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he's in classic James' right mode. I mean, Literally, no. if, if ever he's been in Bellum mode, yeah. more, I, I'm yet to see it. To but, be fair, but, I'm sure he's right. But that I'm going to say, I'm gonna say one thing about yeah. subtitles. So as you both know, I have an issue with subtitles. I struggle with them enormously. I did not struggle with them in this show because the subtitles are the best subtitles I have ever seen in my life. And what do you mean? I'm about to tell you. Oh, sorry. They're, they're fabulous, fabulous subtitles. And the reason for this, so I brought this up, so I interviewed the showrunner. So this is showrunner's 
husband and wife showrunners. It's Justin Marks, uh, who is the showrunner behind Counterpart, which is one of my favourite shows, which I absolutely love, and uh, and his wife, Rachel Kondo. And they were very specific about the subtitles because so much of this was going to be subtitled. And his whole thing was he thought Star Wars did subtitles very, very well. So they used the same typeface, I don't know which one it is, don't ask, that Star Wars uses for its subtitles. They also moved them very high in the frame and they're boxed out to make them very, very clear as well. So because they're high in the frame, you don't have to do that thing where you detach your eyes from what's going on on screen, look down, read the dialogue, then bring your eyes back up. You can passively take in the dialogue while looking at the actors which is transformative, I think, to me, because it means you you don't disengage, which is my whole thing with subtitles. And I really, really love that. And when I brought it up, he was really thrilled I'd noticed because he... Uh, he said they'd spent so much time like fine-tuning the subtitles. He directed exactly what line the subtitles would appear on, what shots and where they would appear. Like A lot of care and attention went into these subtitles. Well, because it's also, what I will say is, and what I do know is, <laughs> whether or not they speak in Portuguese or English, and I'm sure you're right, <laughs> is that translation itself is a, is a theme and plot point of the whole show. Yeah. And there's a scene where Blackthorn is taken to the local lord or whatever, and there's, there's a translator there supposed to be translating him, whether is he speaking English or Portuguese at that point? Portuguese. Hang on, what he's which in the bit? scene where the translator mistranslates deliberately. Yes. Well, he's talking. Yeah, so he is talking in Portuguese to a Portuguese. Uh, essentially, he's a monk, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and the Portuguese monk is then translating it into Japanese yeah. for. Uh, Wait, but but Yabushige. he's actually talking English. But you're saying he's talking. We yeah. hear English. No, he's talking I don't Portuguese. Know. I want to believe you because he would have researched this a lot because he's obsessed with it. But then equally, what he sounds, what he's saying, sounds like <laughs> bullshit. You know, so it's really hard yeah, know, to work out what. To be fair though, to Jay, I'm sure he's right because he's. Being so James about it, yeah, that, yeah, that that is, he can't be wrong. I mean, and also, that's no guarantee about about it. <laughs> it would have meant that um, Cosmo Jarvis would have to speak, learn Portuguese quite. You know, yeah, but also quite... he he's he's English in this. He is. I know he speaks Portuguese, but he's English, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So why couldn't he? It would be like realistic for him to speak just English and not be that he's speaking Portuguese. But it's. Do you see what I mean? No, I'm, I'm saying the weird thing is, right, it's in that, is, is if they've gone to the level, they want to be totally accurate. And so all the Japanese dialogue is in Japanese and translated with the subtitles that James is referring to. Yeah. And I'm saying it's weird that they then decide that, that when they're speaking in Portuguese, they're actually speaking English. Well, okay. So I People can't believe we're getting into English the weeds so much here. So but I'm going to say there is, a, there is a scene early on where Mariko is talking to one of the priests who has converted, the priest who converted her to Catholicism. And he says to her, how is your Portuguese in Japanese? And they switch to quite unquote English and she's like oh it's okay and they start talking in quote unquote Portuguese but we hear English because she would not have been taught English by Portuguese monks that Can would I just be weird say something now that you've explained this I'm not even I'm not saying I buy it but this is my least favorite part of the show <laughs> what the pilot <laughs> show or that show <laughs> <laughs> no the, the, the actual show show that is that 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 fact that you're this bothers saying. you yeah. it bothers yeah, you it's that, that it's not authentic no, it's just this extra layer to it that no, I didn't No, but you didn't realize. need to know it. Like, it doesn't matter. Well, like, you've ruined it for me I've now. ruined the right. show. Okay, okay, wow. <laughs> well, that's, that's ruined it for me. Yeah. As, as, as I was saying, I'm sorry for even bringing that whole thing up again, but that's I think, is an explanation that you would have had to speak, learn Portuguese. Anyway, the <laughs> the, it, it, the mistranslation scene is really interesting because because it, it, obviously it's it partly about how you're relying on people... Mm -hmm being honest in their translation. And that is a theme that um, plays out, interestingly, all the way through the first episode that I've watched. Uh, anyway, the bottom line is, it's beautifully, beautifully done. I mean, it looks incredible. And I know most, I say this a lot, you know, pretty much every peak TV, whatever you want to call it, prestige drama, all the ones that we, this whole podcast was invented for, 
most shows now achieve a certain level of technical, you know, achievement and they're, they're shot very well. But this has, this is in the upper echelons mm-hmm. of it's beautifully filmed. It looks like a, lavish movie every shot is like you know well thought through and the whole there's a kind of epic vibe to the whole thing that I yes. think is brilliantly done and it, the drama itself is interesting the characters are interesting um, and I really enjoyed it that's the word I'd use to describe it epic the scope the scale the way it's beautifully shot it just totally captures the beauty of Japan and I just I just loved it even though that aspect that James now which has ruined the whole show for you no it hasn't it hasn't ruined it I was obviously being dramatic but what I would say is though for anyone who does find it confusing to begin with knowing what the hell's going on who's who because it is densely layered and there are a lot of characters and a lot of different names you know to you know, wrap your head around. Just stick with it because it does. You know, the more you see these characters, the more you become accustomed to what, and you do figure out what's going on. And it is, it's relatively. I don't think it's prohibitively difficult to understand what's going on. But no, no, I think it's fine. You think the normies are going to struggle? Is what you're saying? No, not no, at all. It's just think... there's a lot going on, right? So you've got you've got the subtitle aspect, but also you do have to concentrate because you there's do. so many clans and like there's these five rulers who are like competing over power, and it's like, oh, which ones are the ones that we want to be rooting for? So this is interesting because one of the things that I felt most about this that reminded me more than anything is of something like Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones because Mm. it feels like a fantasy because you've got all of these houses and names to remember. The customs and the rules are so, so just completely alien to what we now understand. And so in many ways, you know, throw in a couple of dragons, this is just a fantasy show, right? So I wondered whether you'd struggle with it or whether part of you just knowing that it is yes. based in history yes, absolutely gives it like a, a pass in, in that normal way but, but <laughs> it, okay but if this was a fantasy and they just had like elf names dra- but there were no dragons in like no magic no, but I they had elf off. names I you'd would, be like yeah, no yeah, fuck yeah. this I, would, I mean I'll give it a go but I would be turned off it's because I know like this is what it was like in 1600 that's yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. weird and also, and also I've been <laughs> to Japan really. and like you know the tradition and the customs and all about you know respect and mm. like you know a lot of the traditions like that we see sometimes are impossible to wrap your head around yeah like there's right? a there's because a seppuku sequence yes. very early on which is exactly. really disturbing you're um, talking about the difference between historical drama and fantasy though all yes. historical dramas yeah, yeah. have you know, that was the whole thing about Game of Thrones it is a historical drama but what makes it not a historical drama is because there's fucking red dragons in it yeah but like but early on early on like there's there's that stuff sure. comes a lot later on it's quite grounded quite early on 100% but which is why I think it did so well but 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 the whole normie discussion thing Stop and the way the K normie. Stop the whole, normie. You know, why, how come K likes this but not Game of Thrones well because it is the fantasy that turns into also there's no different. fucking yeah exactly there's no dragons in it yeah well, right? that's what I'm saying that's the whole point essentially I'm yeah. anyway the other thing I meant to mention as well as the looks looks incredible right is the dialogue and the dialogue yes. is really funny <laughs> and at the same time because it's subtitled it kind of makes it funnier so when one character when in fact um, Cosmo says to one guy I don't care what sort of savage whore bitch turd you are <laughs> that coming up on screen yeah. is hilarious well, and also there's like Rodriguez who's the yeah. who's the Portuguese mm. guy says he, he calls him a salty whales tit at one point yeah. and funny, yeah Rodriguez. it is just inherently funny and my favourite line I have to say my favourite line of all is we've shit too many times in the same pot to piss on our own feet <laughs> <laughs> what a great line what's funny is the script was written in English and then oh, translated Translated no, into Japanese. No more translation controversy. Via Portuguese. No, 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 no. it wasn't. It was, it was, so the whole thing was written in English and then it was translated into Japanese after it was written in English. Wow. Um, there's also some acts of brutal violence we should probably flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they are breathtaking. One is just completely you, you're blindsided by and it's quite quick. And once, 
one, you are tortured by quite literally, and it's like quite horrific. But um, do you know what the stuff usually? Sorry, the sequence you refer to, which Mm. involves water, Mm -hmm. uh, that is the only thing I remember from the '80s Shogun because I saw it as a kid, and it was so traumatic for me that it left an impression on me. Mm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, because um, you don't like you don't like on screen no, violence. I, no, unless no, no, times, no. Do you? That was particularly. Coach? I mean, it was very brutal as well mm. because you see like how much the person, the other person, is enjoying it, yeah, like yeah, a real yeah. sadist. Yeah, but she um, Yes, but uh, no, I I love this. But I did. Do you know what I did? Because I was taking notes because we we're doing it for the podcast. I actually started. I drew a bit of a web diagram to understand who everyone was because you know, obviously, it takes a while. It takes a while. Yeah. So I've seen eight of these. So it's a ten oh, wow. episode series. I've seen eight. They haven't given me the last two. That's the only reason I'm watching. I I just thought it was wonderful. I was so drawn in by this show and I think there are many reasons for this the original 80s show which has Richard Chamberlain in the role is very much the Anjin's point of view and uh, so as a rule so there's no real subtitling in that one you get and this is absolutely true Orson Welles comes on and does a voiceover just basically paraphrasing what's been said. He would come on and go, Toronago was very displeased, you know, and it's just, it's so, it's so weird. But the whole point is it's very much from Blackthorne's perspective. Whereas this, I don't think it is. And I think what works so well about this is you feel the pull of the Japanese culture so much that as, as the Anjin becomes more consumed and immersed in Japanese culture, he takes on a Japanese perspective more than the Western perspective. But we as the audience also do likewise. And I think you stop seeing the Japanese culture as and you are absolutely immersed mm. in it. And by the third episode, you are 100% on board with all of it. And all the stuff that you would think is confusing feels second nature. And I think it does a really good job of that. Yeah, it's a deeply immersive historical drama. Yeah, it's beautiful as well. Um, Makes Japan look amazing despite being shot in have Canada. Have you been? Oh, yeah, it's shot in Canada, isn't it? <laughs> whole yeah. thing is like shot in Vancouver. Canada. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. 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 It's hilarious. I have, in fact, been to Vancouver. So yes. <laughs> have you been to Japan? I've never been to Japan. I think I'm you would really, love it. Yeah, you I would, would love, love to go to Japan. Um, also, just... I. Can't wait to see how it develops between Lady Marie. How do you say it, Marie? Mariko. Mariko and um, Blackthorn. Yeah, I'm looking forward to and that a lot. It's not a, and it's not that's not a classic romance, and she's not a love interest. Like it's the like the the plot is driven by the Anjin Blackthorn. It's driven by Mariko, and it's driven by Taranaka. There are lots of other characters who have important plot lines. Uh, they're the three primary viewpoints. Um, but yeah, it's 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 so good. I absolutely loved this show. I don't know if I've mentioned that. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's also based on these are like Angie real people. Yeah, was a, was a real guy, William Adams. Yep. He was the first Englishman to make it to Japan to reach mm. Japan. Um, yeah, spoke Portuguese, don't you know? I mean, apparently enough so. with the Portuguese. <laughs> well, a little fact for you: that's why I've got only Portuguese, speak Portuguese surname. Or did he speak English? I imagine well? being an Englishman, he did also he spoke maybe? English. Yeah, yeah. Let's draw a veil over. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you've talked over my fact. About sorry, me. what was your fact, oh, Kay? Sorry. Portuguese explorers. That's why I've got Portuguese surname. Ribeiro. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Oh. So, so you're called Kate Ribeiro because. Oh, oh my god. Right. Okay. I've got to just clear something up. The reason why they're like, oh god. Okay. Boyd knows I hate my surname being spelt wrong. We had an incident this week where we went to a half-day internal um, away day type thing, and I was given for a company I've worked with for a substantial amount of time, given a label with the wrong spelling of my surname. And the reason why James is saying Kate is because I had a very lovely tweet today. Um, someone. Uh, being very complimentary but they called me Kate <laughs> so um, yeah James Spinger Bettland as is Boyd yeah uh, we, I admit that yeah yeah that's fair mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the main takeaway from this is that he is called the Anjin. Anjin is Japanese for pilot, therefore we are Anjin TV. Uh, very good. Yeah. yeah. All right, get okay. on with the rebranding. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to have everything redrawn. <laughs> 
Shogun then, the show of the year. Actually, do you know what I should say? And also, this is going to sound like an awful segue given how much I love this, but we're actually doing a special commercial podcast for Shogun uh, sponsored by Disney. So it now oh, sounds wow. like I'm on their payroll and that's why I love it. That is not the reason. That is the reason why I interviewed the showrunners, uh, Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo, and it is the reason why I also interviewed Cosmo Jarvis as well. So we'll be doing, I did this with Chris and Nick. It was a it was an Empire Pilot crossover sponsored one and uh, it'll be on the feed, I guess, quite soon. So you'll hear us talking about it then. But because it's a sponsor, one. Who knew it was happening? We don't. <laughs> Boyd was not invited. No. Um, Kay was invited, but theme. we told her it was going to be in Portuguese and she told us to fuck off. Um, but uh, <laughs> There's a lot of languages I like to tell you to fuck off. <laughs> well, we can't swear on the sponsored podcast. But anyway, uh, there's no critical appraisal because it's a sponsored one, so we just talk about it. But there's lots of facts about, frankly, uh, Nick and Chris's Japanese holiday in there. Oh. But anyway, it's a lot of fun. Listen to that. Lots of Portuguese spoken. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. It's yeah. wall-to-wall Portuguese. Yeah, yeah absolutely Good. true. Brilliant. But it sounds like English. Fantastic. Uh, right, that was Shogun. Time now to move on to our second review of this week, and that is Dead Hot, which is on Prime Video. This was created by Charlotte Coburn, and it sees Elliot, played by extraordinary's Bilal Hasner, and Jess, Rylane's Vivian O'Para, and they're both grieving the disappearance of Peter, who was Jess's twin brother and the love of Elliot's life, who died some time back. Or did he? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dead hot or not? Yeah, dead hot. I like this. Um, as you say, so Bilal Hasner plays Elliot and he was in, deeply in love with Peter, played by Elisa O'Dell, who a lot of you will remember from Big Boys. Yeah, so Peter... Who does he play in Big Boys? He plays the fashion student Yemi and um, Peter goes missing but leaves behind a severed finger in a pool of blood. So it doesn't look good. And um, Elliot can't get over it. And he now lives with his uh, twin sister, Jess, played by Vivian Apara. And they try and move on with their lives. um, But still, they are plagued by this um, feeling of, is he still alive? Where is he? Because they've only found the finger and they don't know, you know, what, you know. Is he still around? Um, so in this first episode, we um, see Elliot moving on with his life. He meets someone else um, called Will, played by Marcus Hodson. It's all good until Will seems to ghost him. And ghost is the perfect word for this because then he also sees little hints and signs that actually maybe Peter is still very much alive and with us. And it's, it's, it's a fun, it's an entertaining premise. And um, I enjoyed it, particularly the role of Penelope Wilson's character, who plays Elliot's larger-than-life grandmother, um, who thinks her grandson is straight, but obviously, as we know, he's not. But she she's really good in this. Um, and overall, yeah, I just, I thought it was fun. It is fun, yes. Um, I think what's interesting, so this is written by um, Charlotte Coburn. Mm. Um, did you mention this? I did. You did? Yeah. Um, did you both mention it? I didn't. Okay. Um, and obviously she's daughter of um, Harlan Coburn, uh, friend of the podcast. Oh, that connection I actually didn't make. I was going to really? say, like Harlan Coburn, it's literally his daughter. <laughs> it's literally okay. his daughter, yeah. Good to know. Um, and she'd worked on episodes, she's written episodes of um, a, a lot of his um, uh, dramatised shows. So before me once, I think she wrote an episode, if, if not more. So she kind of got experience through him. So people are going to shout Nepo Baby, right? Hmm. I mean, this is... But I think this is a really interesting thing because, you know, she's created this show, which is very much not like, you know, in her own wheelhouse. It's not like it's very much about, you know, young people today. And it kind of captures, I think, a lot about, um, you know, how young people operate to do with you know, social media and mm. dating. And there's a kind of energy to it that feels very authentic to me. And so I, it does be, I'm always, I, I never know where to go on the Nepo baby debate, really, because I always think, yeah, on the one hand, Obviously, you've got a massive leg up because you're in the same industry as your parent. Or but parents. it doesn't invalidate you no, as a creator. Equally, does it? if you're really talented and have come up with a really good idea that deserves to be seen and made, then 
you can't really, I feel like I can't really slag them off yeah. that, come and go with something. And then, and then in this case, this is a classic case of it, I think. Like, I'm sure she wouldn't pretend that she hasn't had the advantage of her dad being Harlan Coben, but she's come up with something original and different and fresh. Um, and, and, and I thought it was really interesting. And I think the, the whole idea, I thought the, the, the not only does, does this guy face the fact that his first, the love of his life is mysteriously disappeared and cut his finger off or someone's cut his finger off, then gets the ghosting I thought was very mm. kind of well done. Like just in the sense of like, just in that he gets so excited and texts him constantly and sharing the excitement with his flatmate. And by the way, the flatmate, um, Vivian O'Para, who's absolutely brilliant in Rye Lane, mm-hmm. the fantastic Rye Lane. So it kind of a coup to get her to be in the show really because, you know, it's she's, she's a movie star now really. So I thought it kind of worked in that way and you, and, and, and then she's got her, her storyline of, um, you know, mysterious person seemingly trying to get in touch with who may or may not be some kind of family member or relative of some kind. Um, so it's, it's, it's intriguing. I'm intrigued enough to to carry on wanting to watch it. James. What about you, James? I'm not intrigued enough to continue oh. watching it, but I didn't hate it. Like I was, I was, I got to be honest, a little bit lost for large points of this. I wait was a minute, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got entirely <laughs> Shogun, yeah. but this you got this, lost This in. one, this one, this <laughs> not one puzzled Portuguese. me. That, to be yeah. fair, that but says the, a lot. Yeah, I'm, of course, this this sounded like Portuguese, but was in fact English, which was really, really confusing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, genuinely, I was like, what was happening? Because it's, again, it starts with a kind of uh, a time jump, doesn't it? With a, yeah. a, a, a mm. is it five years? It's a five, yeah, year five years skip thing. And I was like, boy, he's instantly grinding his well, teeth here. Yeah. But look, I so I think think Bilal Hasner is great. I really enjoyed him in Extraordinary. Everyone is great in Extraordinary. And that's coming back soon. And there was a yes. new trailer, which we didn't mention in news. Um, but, um, and Vivian O'Para, as you mentioned, was fantastic in Ryan Lane. She's very, very good in this as well. And there's clearly something going on. But it's not, it's worth mentioning the tone of this. So that, like, we're talking about this as if it's a mystery, which of course it is. But it doesn't have that kind of serious unravelling mystery tone. It, it, The tone walks the line somewhere between, say, the full-out stupid comedy of Extraordinary and... Stupid s- comedy? No, in a good way. I love Extraordinary. I think it's brilliant, but it I is... I think you need to look at your use of stupid silly. and silly. His, his choice it's... of words when just <laughs> comedy is so all over the place. I don't mean triggering. that in a negative way. It, 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 it is. Like it's it. da- okay, daft. It's daft comedy, which is fine. Uh, I mean that affectionately. So, but it has that hint of like tongue-in-cheek comedy. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to say silliness because I, I reckon that Kay will come across the the studio desk and like maul me. Um, but do, do you see what I'm saying about the tone, right? Like it it isn't a dramatic tone. It's, it's quite a comedy tone. It's very light. Yes, it's in between those two genres. It's I think frothy. somewhere it's frothy. It's frothy. <laughs> That's a word I wouldn't have come up with. But yes, yeah. it's frothy. Yeah. It's like a cappuccino. It's a yeah. comedy cappuccino. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, the, yeah, and that's helped by the performances. I think they're both in that kind yes. of like they've got that vibe going yes. on. He in particular, he's a very Wilson talented comedy well. actor. Yeah, he's yeah. really yeah. Indeed, they're, they're both yeah. they're both really good. Yeah. And Peter Serafinowicz pops up. He's not in episode one. Yeah, but he does pop up. He's the detective coming up, and he looks very funny from what I've seen of the trailer. Yeah, he's always great. So it's funny and it's mm. a mystery. It's compelling. I think because uh, I need my mysteries to be slightly more serious. And this wasn't quite serious enough. Oh. It didn't compel me in the way that, you know, it would have otherwise have done. But I, but I thought it was pretty good. It, but I don't think it's selling itself as, you know, like a big, big, you know, I know it is a mystery, but it's not like, it's not selling itself. As I'm saying, Kate, mystery. I'm saying if the whole thing had been in Japanese with mm. subtitles in it, I'd have been all over it. With oh, yeah. All over with it. people speaking English that's really Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah, if that had been it. Yeah, then I'd it have been there. Been, 100% been there dead. for it. But great performances. Please. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. Dead Hot Then, which comes to Prime. On Friday. On Friday. Finally, say, this did week. Did we say when Shogun starts? I don't think we did. We didn't. We didn't. No. Shogun. Shogun, I mean, which comes to Disney hell. Plus. Tuesday. On Tuesday. Tomorrow, Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. exciting. Huge. Make sure you watch it. 
Finally this week, we have Things You Should Have Done on BBC Three. This is written and starring Lucia Keskin, and she's kind of a self-confessed stay-at-home daughter whose parents die in a car crash. This is a comedy. Uh, <laughs> forcing her to grow up and learn how to adult with mixed success, I would say. Um, Kay, do the things you should have done include having not watched this show? I mean, what what that, a loaded yeah, question. That's like... <laughs> I mean, I've watched the show and I enjoyed it. Okay, then yes. no. Okay. Um, yes, I I enjoyed this show because I think it's a really great premise. As you say, um, it, it's a naive 20-year-old, sheltered, you know, really just doesn't know how to be an adult, is suddenly orphaned and must fend for herself. And she has to complete a list of incredibly basic tasks in order to inherit the house that, after her parents die. And it includes stuff like petting a dog and getting a job or learning how to drive. And I just think I... Lucia, I think, is really, really good as Chi. Um, so she wrote this, she stars in it, and she reminded me a bit of Kerry from This Country. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, as as James said, she's a self-confessed stay-at-home daughter who lacks very, very basic social skills, and that's where a lot of the comedy comes from because um, she can do virtually nothing on her own. And also I've noticed Celine Hisley, who is really good as her Auntie Karen, who doesn't want her to be saddled with her moronic, useless do- uh, niece and just wants to get her hands on her family home, which she feels should rightfully be hers. I just think it's a like a, a really great mix of funny characters, um, original characters. And, I mean, my only thing about this is that there are a couple of... Uh, quite surreal elements to it um, I'm not going to give any spoilers but I, I think having both of them are a bit overkill and one in particular is a little too far out there for me I, I did wonder how yeah. you'd take that it was a little bit mm. and I don't think you need to there's there's a couple of things that are like you know not grounded enough not grounded but um, I, I enjoy the ambition of it so I, I think it's a breath of fresh air and I and Lucia is very funny and the fact that she's created this as well do you know what it reminded me of what such brave girls Tonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think it's slightly different though, um, because I think Such Brave Girls is, because it's dealing with mental health Mm -hmm. more, it feels kind of slightly more raw. And this, in a weird way. They're both pretty dark. But you know what? That's what I I really liked about this was it's it's dark to begin a scene, to to have an opening scene in which you're told by police are coming around to say you're both your parents have been killed in a car crash. Yeah. And yet not to be dark. It's no. not dark. It's actually really funny. Well, it's very dark humour, but it is but very much humour. It's dark subject matter. Yeah. But I don't think it's dark humour. I think that's so that's the key to it. Black humour? If you like, yeah. But it's the situation is really dark, but it, she deals with it in a very funny, breezy, like she doesn't very care. Very light, yeah. Light, and it's that's like what makes it so funny. Yeah, exactly. She's an idiot, yeah. and she can't compute, <laughs> and she's like, they're, we're being all solid these police, and they can't understand that she's so stupid, mm. she can't get into a thick head that her parents have died. And all the way through, it's full of her in a brilliant deadpan performance. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, she's And great. you can just see how, she. I think she's on YouTube she's a YouTube star and the, you know the kind of the BBC gave, gave her this project and um, or she must have come up with the project but you can see she's such a good performance she's perfected that deadpan tone of like and also it is a bit like do you know what Jodie Foster was accused of saying recently about Gen Z or mm. Gen Z you know kind of not really caring about stuff was her thing that she was said she was I think taken out of context blah 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 but that made massive headlines and loads of debates about you know are Gen Z is this generation different to 
old people like me. Every generation says that about yeah, younger right, generations. Exactly. But she captures somehow in in this show <laughs> that idea of like just not caring and giving a shit and kind of not knowing about stuff and not caring that you don't know about yeah. stuff. So she breezes through life. Like she can't iron, she can't hoover, she can't drive. Oh my God, the hoovering. She got, the hoovering is hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, I also, thought this my, was like, really she has, funny. She has driving lessons yeah. in the most unique she, way. Completely. She literally imposes herself on a, on a driving <laughs> that instructor. Was one of my, I honestly it's hilarious. Stop laughing. I it's funny. Yeah. It's, I think you've slightly, not you, but definitely James. I mean, we'll get on to it. <laughs> It's really, really funny. I think it's. I think it's one of the funniest. Um, but by the way, someone wrote an article for the Guardian at the weekend. I think, which I wanted to mention, complaining about you know the lack of comedy. Um, BBC Three is doing loads of comedy alone, let alone the BBC as well yeah. in general. There's Black loads Ops. of comedy. Last year, yeah, Black, Black Ops. Ops. There's loads of good comedy. The one, um, you know, the one that Russell was in. Russell Toby was in. Yes, uh, Juice. Juice. Thank you. Which is recommissioned as well. There's oh, loads great. of great comedy. Mm. Like, on the, on the BBC alone, let alone as well on Channel 4. Anyway, I think we're in a bit of a good time for comedy, so I, I thought the article was stupid. Anyway, this is really funny. I'm sorry. It's original, and, and what? but the key to it, as I say, is it's dealing with really dark subject matter, yep. being a very funny, bright, jokey, silly, silly-ish way. And she is an idiot. I mean, that's... And, I, I, you know, she's an archetypal sitcom idiot character in many ways. But she takes it so far. And the stuff with the driving instructor, which stretches credulity, but sometimes the more you stretch something to be ridiculous, the funnier it is. And I think this is an example of that. And once she literally has installed, installed herself in it. the family home <laughs> of the driving instructor, yeah. while the driving instructor's wife is like, how, why the fuck is this woman... This idiot woman in our house. I thought it was hilarious. I genuinely was really pleasantly surprised by this. I'm glad I insisted we reviewed this instead of some ninja show. House of Ninjas. We should have reviewed House of Ninjas. Well, no, but I'm sorry. said it was old. Yeah, it already been. Yeah, he acknowledged that, and when he asked us to do it, Fine. they'd been on for a week already. Yeah, but we ignored it. Yeah. Anyway, James, you loved it. I bet. I mean, obviously, I did not enjoy this at all. But that's, you know, not a huge surprise, isn't it? I, as you know, I detest the archetypal detest. idiot comedy trope. It really, really profoundly aggravates me. And also this particular type of comedy just doesn't, it doesn't land with my my sense of humour at all. No. So I, I found it a bit of a struggle. That said, that said, you know, I, you know, <laughs> for those who enjoy it, like I, I, hats off to her. Like she did a good, a very good job, as you say. Normies, the normies, for the normies, oh, <laughs> for the normies. Oh, they'll love it. The normies will absolutely love it. Um, but this, uh, it I does. Think he's reached peak twat. <laughs> oh, yeah, this yeah, in many ways. In this episode, really, yeah. just, just when you thought it could get any twat. Twat. <laughs> well, well, no, but genuinely, like to take that exactly say because there's jokes about obviously dead parents, paedophiles, all kinds of stuff, yeah, and it's incredibly deadpan. Yeah. And the fact that it never loses that sense of levity, despite how dark the, the mm. sort of not tone, crucially not the tone, no. but despite how dark the subject gets, yes. it's treated with this very kind of frothy insouciance, and I really insouciance, and yeah, I I thought that was very very well done. Did I smile once? No. <laughs> Not at all. You know what it struck me it is as well is, and this is going to be the, the eighth time I've spoiled this. All of us strangers turned into a frothy comedy. It's you even see her parents. You even see the dead parents, right? It's so like literally, this is, this and they die in a car crash. And I know this is spoilerific, but by now everyone should have seen all of us strangers. I mean, that's not a spoiler for all of us strangers. That's no, literally the plot the of the film. This is all of us strangers. If it was a yes. BBC Three comedy, exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. With an idiot woman at the heart of it. I've changed. Uh, do you know what? I'm doing a complete yeah. 180. Is, I'm it? completely sold on this it's now. It's incredible how much it's got in common with all of us. No, it genuinely does, actually, yeah. now that you've said that. It hadn't clicked with yeah. me at all. It's weird. Uh, that's really funny. Yeah, um, unlike what I thought this show was. But uh, <laughs> look, it's not for me. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not passing judgment on the show. I'm just saying it's it's very much not for me. And weirdly, a lot of our listeners don't like it when I do that, when I kind of cop out, as they say. But I just think like, if I'm yeah, if I'm gonna slag something off, I should do job. it because it's bad. There's no point me slagging off something just because I don't get it. For example, yeah, Kay's not gonna watch Game of Thrones and say it's a piece of shit. She has the self-awareness to say that it's yeah, just not course. for her. And I think that's actually an important distinction to make. Oh no, Game of Thrones is good. I mean, it's like yeah. me talking about foundation. Like Kay is a normie, so of course she doesn't get Game oh, of Thrones. Dear. I mean, <laughs> or this foundation. Whole, this whole normie thing is, this is you know. <laughs> Oh, listeners, if you could see the look she just gave me. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can imagine. There's going to be punishment in my future, isn't there? Ooh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. yeah, there is. Okay. Well, things you should have done, which lands on BBC Three when, Boydie? Thursday. On Thursday. On Thursday. What is our pick of the week? It's Shogun. Excellent. What else is out this week? <laughs> You're such a knob. I mean, it is Shogun. Shogun but is you know. my choice. But my, if I could have a second, it would be uh, things you should have done. What else is that, Boydie? What else have we missed? Well, Heavily Embargoed is um, the completely made-up adventures of Dick Turpin, which arrives on Apple TV Plus on Friday, and it stars Noel Fielding, Hugh Bonneville, Ellie White, Mark Wooten, Tamsin Gregg, Asim Chowdhury, Dolly Wells, Joe Wilkinson. It's star-studded. It's got good people. It's a comedy. We can't say what we think of it until next week. No. Well, no, we can't say until Pilot Plus, where we're going to have to review it. Yes, Yes, we will be doing it. Um, uh, You know the show, do you remember Under the Banner of Heaven? Yes. It's finally come to non-streaming, hasn't it? It's come to ITVX. Yeah. Um, on Monday, today, Monday. And it was, I think we did review it, didn't we? We did. Yes. Um, it was fine. It, it was pretty good. It was fine. <laughs> okay. It was fine, yeah. Um, also star-studded, Daisy Edgar-Jones, um, uh, Andrew Garfield, um, etc. Billy Howell. Denise Goff, written by Dustin Lance Black of Milk fame, as in the film Milk. Yes. <laughs> He's not famous for delivering no. it. No. Okay. Or drinking it. Or drinking it. Exactly. No. Um, there is, this isn't very, this isn't, Kind of pilot TV wheelhouse, so we wouldn't this, we wouldn't have reviewed this. But just for fans of um, Russell Tovey, mainly, I, I I point to the fact he's a guest on the new pa- actually the panel show. Rob Beckett's Smart TV is a panel show about TV, isn't yeah. it? Case you've seen it, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, is yeah. it fun? It's fun. It's yeah. very fun. Yeah. Um. Uh. So it's I mean, got Josh Widdicombe and Alison Hammond as uh, team captains. Team captains. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hosted by Rob Beckett. That starts on Thursday on Sky Max slash Now. I mean, James won't be watching it, but it is. It's a panel show about television. So you know this. This podcast. It's from the makers of Nevermind the Buzzcocks as well. But I think that's probably about it. Excellent. Well, that is it for this week's Pilot TV podcast. If you did enjoy it, then please do head over to Apple Podcasts or indeed Spotify and leave us a five Portuguese rating. Uh, (laughs) Please also follow us on social media at James C. Dyer, at K. Rivera, at Boyd Hilton and at Pilot TV Pod. And if you haven't already, please do buy your tickets to come and see the Empire podcast when it goes on tour in March. We're in Birmingham on the 1st of March. And then we go to Norwich and then we go to probably Dublin. At some point, we're in Sheffield. Then we go to Salford. We're all over the place. Buy tickets to the one nearest you. It'll be great. It'd be like a spoiler special in the boy's not invited. So... (laughs) 
Ooh, he is yeah. like, he's yeah. dishing it yeah. out today. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, on next week's show, there's a lot going on next week. Mary and George comes to Sky Atlantic. Uh, Extraordinary Season 2, which we've already mentioned, that comes to Disney Plus next week. Uh, Super Sex comes to Netflix. That sounds saucy. Uh, the Marlowe Murder Club arrives on UK TV. The Gentleman. And, and The Gentleman comes to Netflix. And I know all of this because Boydie, bless his little cotton socks, has put shows on the calendar. That's what happens when you delay the start of the podcast for half an hour. <laughs> spare <Yeah>. time <laughs> to update the calendar. Yeah, amazing. So we'll be doing a selection of those next week. Exciting times. Until then, however, I don't know what the Portuguese for goodbye is, but obviously, if I knew it, I would say it. Adios, I believe it is something like that. Anyway, Anjin out.